What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 57, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. Way too much cream. Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? Oh, man, that's uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. How are you doing, Justin? Doing well, man. Good to be back. Oh, God, you know... Do you see that right over that massive pile of Oreos? What no. is that just on the horizon across from that mound of Nabisco treats? Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast. Number three, the great Sam Bino. Good evening, Sam. Hello. Hey, boys. How are we doing? Good, man. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, baseball is upon us, nearly. We're so close. Feels like it's been so long, but also not really at the same time, right? Yeah. When's first game? First game is on March 20th in Tokyo. At the Tokyo Dome. Dome. Dope. Dude, I feel like you're going to have to write about that. I feel like that was quite the unique experience that you got to do. I can totally write about that. I'll send, I'll, you know, put pictures up there and everything. I, I'll have some unique insight upon that, that venue. Excellent. I can't wait to hear about that. I think that's a cool thing that baseball is doing. Is it, a, is it a step too far? I mean, that's a really long way. Japan doesn't need to be convinced that baseball is a good idea. True. I, I think it's less about convincing Japan that convincing Japan that baseball is a good idea, and it's more about convincing uh, Japan that U.S. baseball is a good idea. And it's about rekindling some of that stuff, especially because... If my superstars left my country to go play baseball elsewhere, some people might have uh, issues with that. That's I mean, Manny, Manny Ramirez has been over there hitting bombs for years. I mean, that draws up about enough American excitement for baseball as I would think they would need, right? Did we, did we talk about too many war documentaries before this? Why are you talking about bombs in Japan, Justin? <laughs> God damn it. You know what I mean. <laughs> You've seen the videos of him hitting home runs over there, haven't you? Oh, yeah, it's insane. And Is he still active? I think he plays like limited time over there or something because he's a he works in the Cubs organization or something like that. He's like dirking it up over there where he just plays about six minutes a night, shakes hands with people. The baseball equivalent of that, I suppose. So it's like what, two or three innings? So a relief pitcher? Well, he's not really a pitcher, so. I know. I'm just teasing. Well, way to bring down the room on that. <laughs> Buddy. No, so basically, Major League Baseball is starting uh, starting the year this year. Instead of having a true opening day initially, they're going to have one series played at the Tokyo Dome the week before uh, the main opening day. Main opening day this year is on the 28th of March, and every team is playing that day. So it's a true opening day for baseball. Feels like what they... are the teams playing? Baseball. Which two teams are playing? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be Oakland and Seattle, I think. Mm. That'll be good for sure. Two West Coast teams. Not only is it West Coast, it's their same division, and they're about the same level of talent. I feel like their their records were decently close last year. And Seattle's wildly popular over there because of Ichiro and then Hisashi Wakuma and there were there were some other Japanese. Which, players. by the way, do we think that Ichiro now taking a spot in Seattle's front office had anything to do with this? Hmm. I, hypothetical. 
yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could, you know, move the needle a little bit on a, an initiative like that. Yeah. yeah. Science We're going to give him credit. Straight here from the Outfielder Podcast, Ichiro, well done. Yeah, I think that he earned his stripes on this show. Sam, didn't you find, like, Ichiro's, like, one of his, like, prime career milestone balls or something like that? Oh, no, this is a uh, James from Middletown story. Oh, that's um, right. He knows a guy who has a ton of baseball memorabilia, and he was, like, in his kitchen looking for a butter knife or, or something to that effect. And in a plastic bag was like, oh, here's Ichiro's like first home run ball. Whoops, here, you know, it's just in my kitchen, whatever. <laughs> Next right. to the ice cream scoop. Yeah, yeah exactly. between the ice cream scoop and the, the what's it called, the apple-like slicer thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. That's just memorabilia just out of your ears around the house. Mm-hmm. Or in Ben's mini apartment case, the usual day-to-day thing. I reach over to one side, I'm in the kitchen. I reach to this side, I'm in the bedroom. That's right. It works out great, buddy. That's all right. Well, with the new season coming up, pretty excited about all the things that we've got going on as a podcast. We're going to be doing another away trip where Ben's actually going to be involved this time. Can't wait. Yes, it's going to be wonderful. Have we narrowed down some destinations on that? We talked a little bit about it in uh, Colorado. Sam, do you want to want to talk about this? Um, No. No? All right. Fair. We've narrowed down to Milwaukee. We talked about Pittsburgh a little bit. I do feel like Sam owes some retribution to the people of Pittsburgh. And we talked about Colorado, maybe going to Denver. Ben, what do you think of those? So I think that all three of those are good. Milwaukee, I don't want to say it's north-north Chicago, but it's kind of north-north Chicago. Um, no, but I like that it's an NL club, historic city. Um, also, though, Pittsburgh. I mean, there's a ton of good baseball history from Pittsburgh. I think that'd be a, a neat place to go. Uh, but any chance I get to get back to Colorado is always a good uh, trip. Sam, if you had to rank out those three, where's your head at? Yeah, I would probably go um, Pittsburgh because of the pierogies, um, <laughs> Milwaukee, and then Colorado. But, uh, you know, ranking the top three places I want to go already is pretty tough. None of those are losers. So I would go to any of those in a heartbeat. What if you had food for everything? So Pittsburgh because of the pierogies, Milwaukee because of the Schlitz, and Denver because of the omelets. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) The Schlitz. (laughs) Perfect. I really don't know what's on the top of my list when I think about it because I feel like I, every day I feel like I think about one of them. I'm like, oh, that seems more desirable than the last one. So I don't know. I'd be happy with any of those. I know we're going to get a crap ton of content. We talked about taking the train to some of these destinations and what that would have been like. That would have been amazing just for the content alone. Is that a cost prohibitive option? It's cost time, all of have the above. Have you ever rail traveled anywhere? No. Have oh, you? No. So, oh yeah. Like, uh, I got to tell you, we've done, when I was a kid, we took multiple train trips from the Dallas Fort Worth area to one to Chicago and then like took commuter trains all the way to eastern Wisconsin or western Wisconsin where my family lives like we're talking a long time on a train and it's not that much less expensive than air travel it was way more expensive than air travel uh I don't know I you know seven and eight year old Ben doesn't really have much of a concept of a train ticket versus a plane ticket but you know funny story our own blogger Duster Dan and I 
ate all of the frozen pizzas that they had for sale in the little dining cart. And by the second day of the trip, we went up to go buy more mini pizzas. And the woman's like, I'm sorry, boys, you ate them all. We are all out of mini pizzas. Oh, no. How many mini pizzas do you estimate that you ate? Well, J-Mac, as part of the Ninja Turtle generation, I don't think it's right to quantify the amount of pizzas I eat. It's not about the pizzas you eat. It's about how you enjoy them. Well, apparently it is about the number of pizzas you've been eating because you're having quite the cholesterol issue. That is a gross mischaracterization. Um, (laughs) To say that I have quite the cholesterol issue would say that Sam is currently spending this episode digging his own grave. Okay. Neither of those are accurate. I mean, I with the- may have a slightly elevated LDL level, likely due to my non-active lifestyle. Are you sure it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you ate 27 Oreos last month? <laughs> yeah, I should ask the doctor that. <laughs> what if I sat here this entire episode with like a tub of cookies and was just slowly <laughs> just eating the entire time? Like, mm, that's a good point, Justin. What do you think, Paul? <laughs> That's right. It's perfect. <laughs> That's really good. So I trained around Japan and I cleaned out uh, all of their pork chop sandwiches and like. <laughs> I love it. It's five hours from Hiroshima to Tokyo. There are like four stops and you're going like 270 miles an hour. And you're, I was just eating sandwiches and drinking beer. How did you find that many roast beef sandwiches? Pork chop sandwiches. Oh, man. pork chop sandwiches. I, I misheard well, you. I'm sorry. They have like stewardesses on the trains and they roll by with a cart and a menu and they're like, like, what do you want? Yeah, just like that. Except you're you're in rows of seats like uh, on a plane. There's no like rooms. Hmm. Seems like we're really missing out by taking the train here, but it's vastly more expensive than flying to any of the places we talked about. Yeah, I'm sure if we went to Pittsburgh, I bet I bet we could hop a train to like St. Louis, but then we'd have to be in St. Louis. Yeah, that's the problem with that. We don't want to do that. No. Big time pass. Well, I was going through the archives the other day, and I found something that will interest everybody. We're going to go ahead and do the ad read of who's sponsoring today's episode, but after that, we're also going to talk about the very first ad read that Ben ever did. So today's pod is sponsored by... Are you tired of not being able to see a fastball, curveball, splitter? Are you craving ice cream? Well, you're in luck because we have the place for you. That's right. I'm talking about Vince Velasquez Bifocal Emporium and Creamery. Get your new glasses along with your Rocky Road. They have square frames, round frames, thick frames, slim frames, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, schnozberry, and more. Come on down to Vince Velasquez Bifocal Emporium and Creamery today. Back to you, Sam. That's a classic. I wonder how Vince is doing with that venture. Yeah. What did the schnozberries taste like? He's young enough. He's still under control. Um, so yeah, the- I mean, it was just a missed opportunity. Vince Velasquez's bifocal glasses. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. It had, you had to include the creamery, though, right? Yeah, you can tack yeah. it on. Yeah, why not? Ben, do you want to do this first ad read? Yeah, of course. I am. So a little context here. Uh, Justin and I thought it'd be really silly to... Um, because we don't have real sponsors yet to just make up our own. And they got a little more outlandish. So I think we started out much more tame than we were 50-some-odd episodes later. Uh, But this was probably in episode two or three, I think, where we got our first official sponsor. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Alex Rodriguez Fruit Juice. When you think juice, 
Think A-Rod, this week only on sale for $252 million over the course of 10 years. Back to you, Justin. So primitive. <laughs> I, I love the fact that you sound like you're coming through a radio. Yeah, I feel like our initial podcast setup had you and I talking through tuna cans connected by a string. <laughs> it really felt like it, didn't it? Yeah. I love that concise shot right through the heart of A-Rod. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, it's only been 16 years by the time that we recorded that. Still bitter. My butt still hurts. Let's mark that. <laughs> no problem. Well, the main reason we really wanted to come on and do an episode today, other than the fact that we're stoked for spring and it's like right around the corner, is there's been a ton of talk. So Sam and I were in Colorado last week, and we did a ton of talking about how we really are kind of perplexed by what the free agent market is doing right now. Some of the you know moves that have happened. We talked about the Bryce Harper thing. We talked about some of the back and forth on why baseball is more or less failing, I guess, if you really want to be honest about the conversation we had at marketing itself and getting bigger. And right after we recorded that, probably like the next day, word started coming out that the players and the MLB were starting to negotiate a bunch of rule changes. And some of these are pretty crazy, and I felt like we need to take some time out and, and talk about these. Yeah, so Good stuff. The, yeah, these come from uh, Ken Rosenthal initially fired uh, fired off the report. Uh, he's of The Athletic. And basically, uh, kind of the backstory is in January at kind of those behind-closed-door meetings, uh, a number of different big changes kind of, uh, kind of happened. So the first main big thing that is worth talking about uh, is something that's been happening. People have been talking about and wanting this since the 60s or 70s, uh, and that would be the universal designated hitter. So essentially, they're talking about making it to, and this is according to Jeff Passan, um, the proposal is that all interleague games would use the de- designated hitter this year in 2019, uh, not just the ones when they're in AL parks, and then by 2020, every team would be all designated hitter all the time. What do y'all think? I mean, to me, why why sit here and wait? Why not just rip the cord? But I guess Sam and I talked about this last episode. We're known Band-Aid rippers. But why not just get it over with? If, why half-ass it, I guess, is my question, if you're going to do this. I don't understand the, like, the rolling into that rule changed. I mean, everybody understands. All the NL teams get it. They've got enough sluggers, and the pitchers are happy to be like, yeah, great, no more... No more batting for me, so I don't I don't understand why not rip the bandit off. What do you think, Ben? I think there was a time and a place when I was like, Oh, it's so so classic that the National League still has their pitchers bat, but realistically it's producing uh an unfair product and if we specifically went by things that baseball used to do it would still be segregated and you know the mound would be 28 inches off the ground like there's so many different positive changes across the wide number of spectrums you know or across a wide spectrum rather baseball should not be in its own way and i think that that's kind of going to be a theme to a lot of these rules here that we talked about ben nailed it i think not just in baseball but anyone whose reasons for doing something is oh well that's just how it's always been done that's like the worst reason to continue to do anything at all. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, people like the purists are going to be really pissed that, you know, this change occurs when, whenever it does occur. It is an unfair product, as Ben mentioned. 
you watch the World Series and the NL teams are at an advantage when it comes to having their pitchers hit the ball. Well, and, you know, just because something is what happened in the past, I mean, just because my mom changed my diapers when I was a baby doesn't mean that that, that, that still flies at age 30, right? You still got diapers, dude? No, I was using it as a uh, counterpoint. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Just checking in with you. I agree with you. I mean, I've always been under the thinking of either go one way with it and have all the pitchers bat or don't. And don't do this mix-match thing. It's ridiculous. Kind of to the points you guys already made, it really is an unfair advantage when it comes down to the World Series, and that's what gets me about it. I'm fine with this. So another one, while Justin's pulling up those stats that they talked about, is tying your draft position to your competitiveness. So basically the whole idea is to try and keep keep teams from sucking to get like better draft positions. You know, the idea is, oh yeah, we're just going to do a true rebuild. We won't parentheses throw close parentheses games, but we're maybe not going to be a competitive ball club. And so the idea is to take almost punitive measures to prevent that from happening. I love this one. I might as well have the subtitle of don't tank or you're going to hate yourself. But is it really going to fix enough for it to matter? I think I believe that even talking about instituting this rule will keep teams from behaving in this way. Yeah, uh, the way it is is that if you fail to reach a certain, as of now, unspecified total number of wins for too many years in a row, you'll slide down in your draft order. That'll keep teams like the Reds from just totally sucking on purpose for so long that they you know, get a bunch of really good draft picks, which I, I'm in total agreement. I like this rule. Maybe they're deliberately trying to stay bad to make Pete Rose look somehow better. I guess I would... <laughs> I don't know if they're in the business <laughs> yes. of making Pete Rose look better at this point. I would feel bad for a team who is genuinely trying and still suck that bad. Like if the Rangers came up you know, fifth place in the, in the West two more years in a row and then were damaged for that, they'd have to come up with some sort of way to prove that they're doing that? I don't know. How do you make a team better when it's really bad? You're telling me I can't just eat everyone else's leftovers for the next three years and hope to somehow get healthy? Pretty much. You also can't eat 27 Oreos and expect to get healthy. (laughs) You brought that on yourself, man. I'm just ready for y'all to put your money where your damn mouth is. All right, what's next? All right, next up is MLB has proposed placing a runner on second base at the start of any inning past the 11th. No, don't do it. I would agree with that. I mean, what are the percentage of times where it goes past that anyway? Very few. Very two few percents. It would change about 2.5% of games. Well, That's and, it. And think about it, too. If you have, for example, a designated hitter in NL games you got to figure that you're not going to have nearly as long of games anyway. So the whole idea behind this is to where you won't have a marathon-length ball game. But guess what? If your teams are not worried about swapping out your pitcher you know, nearly as much or swapping out this person's pinch running here and this person's we're trying to get the right matchup, which there is definitely a time and a place for that. I am not saying to stop that. What I am saying is if you fix other aspects of the game, these should have a positive downstream impact that you wouldn't need to put an extra person on second base uh, starting in the 11th inning. Yeah, I think that's probably like institutional knowledge built up over years. It would take a long time for us to have a DH in both leagues for people to behave that way. Yeah. Yeah. And people to understand that. But I mean, okay, so you're a manager. You start the inning. um, 
let's imagine there's no there's no person automatically on second base. Your pitcher immediately gives off gives up a leadoff double. What would you say you're going to do as a manager? I mean, if he gives up a double, I mean, automatically you got to guess take the guy out. Take the guy out. Okay, that's that's one way to do it. How long has he been pitching? Let's say he's been pitching two innings of relief, an inning of relief. Definitely take him out. Yeah, ah. two for sure. One maybe, but if this was his first inning, I mean, I'd I'd give him a chance. Let Let's think pitcher independent. Situationally, what do you do? You walk the fucking batter and force a double play. So what's the point of putting a guy on second right away if the manager's mind is immediately going to go to let's make this a force out? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I didn't ever even think about so, it that so way. So it's tied. It's tied in eleven. You've got a guy on second. A, a double is going to score a run anyway, and they're going to win the game, mm-hmm. or, or you know, go up, go up a run. You're gonna you're gonna walk the guy. You're gonna intentionally walk him and put the guy on first so that it's a force out anywhere other than home. But the thing is, I, I guess the only thing about that though is the fact that you start every successive inning with a guy on second. So that's only going to work out so many times. The numbers are in your favor though, right? If you have a force play. Yeah. But I mean, say that gets you out of the inning, then you just got to, then you got to deal with it in the next inning. Say, assuming you don't get any offense, but that's, you know, that's your own problem for not having better players behind the plate. Yeah, that's fair. Well, and so the whole, the whole thing is about shortening the length of games. And to me, that's like saying, Oh, these gloves don't fit. Let me chop off my fingers with the knuckle. You know, like you're not doing the right thing. Well, yeah. I mean, with all of this, I Sam and I talked about this on the last episode, but Major League Baseball grossly misunderstands what it, what the issues are that gets in its own way. And right. that's the biggest problem here. It has nothing to do with pace of play. People watch football games all the time. And you know what? If people are going to watch an 11, you know, past 11 innings or whatever, or people aren't going to do that. They're going to watch nine innings. They're going to turn it off and go to bed. They don't care. Well, especially when you have 161 other games that season. Uh, so, I mean, that's the whole thing. And another one of the proposed rule changes is around reducing mound visits. Uh, they're wanting to change it from you get six minutes in last year, you, six visits last year, only four in 2019, and then going from four to three in 2020. What do you think about this, Sam? I think football is way slower. I mean, I re- that I, that's not a great answer to your question, but I I like watching all of the sports, and football is agonizingly slow. You know, the anticipation that builds upon a mound visit, I super appreciate. Like, if they've got to go talk to their guy or the, the catcher's got to go talk to their guy, I think that's an important move for the team. It's going to be uh, a better play at the end of the day if someone's talking to that guy. So I'm, I'm in on more mound visits, less, not less. How long can a mound visit be right now? Does it still, did they ever put a clock on that? It didn't use, I don't know. It used to always be like, however much but i didn't know if that was one of the things they put the clock on but regardless they could make those 30 seconds they're really not that big of a thing you know well i mean i think that the old school way of doing it is your mound visit's going to be about the amount of time it takes the umpire to smoke half a marble or red but basically you know if we're talking about the amount of time built in you know what what do y'all think about a 20 second pitch clock because that's another one of the proposals that are out there i I don't think that's really going to affect anybody but, like, John Lester. Most of the pitchers like to work faster than John Lester, and John Lester is just a relic. 
Yeah, he works incredibly slow. What a piece of shit. Yeah, if he works on the stretch, it's even worse. All right, so there are a few other things we want to hit on here. Um, but then I, it kind of sounds like there's a, a bigger issue at play that I want to make sure we address. So, so we'll hit these last two pretty quick. One, instead of having an expanded September roster of 40 players, uh, cutting that number down to 28. You get a 28-man roster in September. Thoughts? I don't really like it. I don't really know what the difference is. I mean, I like the 40-man roster. Sorry, Justin, go ahead. Well, no, no, I was just going to say it. I didn't mean to say I don't know what the difference is. I don't know why why this would matter in any way to change. It, with, I'm with Sam. I like the 40-man roster. Yeah, I think uh, you you move away from the 40-man roster and you avoid situations like where the Dodgers played basically all 40 of their guys in one game. And it's just kind of a crapshoot, right? You get the same, uh, like, 19 different relievers playing in the same game. There's lots of time wasted. That's a real pace of play thing for September games. But, you know, the, re- the roster shrinks right back down. I'm not sure the purpose of the 40-man roster to begin with. I would say just do 28 forever. Fuck it. Yeah, that's true. The one yeah, thing that they've talked about is the 12-pitcher maximum on that. I don't really yeah, that's, care that's for that. That's the second one here. Is on a 26-man roster, you get 12 pitchers max. It just sucks that you can't carry an extra reliever if you want to, but most people roll with 11 anyway. There was a game in September where Oakland was carrying – they had a 40-man roster. I think they were carrying like 22 relievers. They were, yeah. 20, 22-man bullpen. It was ridiculous. But they were Long carrying like ever. three starters. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're of the mindset where you have way too many relievers and a, a starter that goes for like three innings. Well, so speaking of starters and batters and, and all that, the final rule change and the one that the final rule change proposal, rather, uh, that got the most attention is one that's where pitchers that come in have a three batter minimum. I don't love this. It takes away the, the lefty righty thing completely, which sucks. It takes away the lefty, the playing some matchups and throwing throwing an ace in there to, you know, them playing matchups and all that stuff is super important. Why even have a manager if he can't make a call on a player-by-player basis? I agree. I think that there's something to be said about you could theoretically still play. We'll say your next, your next batter is, uh, your next three batters are left, right, left. Like you could then throw someone out there and hope that they do well against the second batter, but I totally get it. I just think that we've talked about a number of different things, and so far the the one thing that y'all have grabbed onto the mo- grabbed onto the most rather is the universal DH. But everyone's willing to say, not everyone. We're a bunch of dorks, and we'll probably say that baseball games aren't long enough. But for the most part, we're all willing to concede that most of the overall audience thinks the games of baseball go on too long and that it's not as, say, approachable of a sport as something like football or basketball. So what then, if, you know, if we're, the three of us are a three-headed monster that runs Major League Baseball, now what do we do to, quote, fix, unquote, baseball? Seven inning games. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that'll definitely shorten games. That'll definitely do the trick. But I think it's a systemic issue, and it's bigger than that. And it's bigger than people understand, really, because... People don't take the time to understand exactly how baseball differs from what the other sports leagues do, in my opinion. So we talked a lot about this in the last episode, but essentially what it comes down to is baseball doesn't understand that it gets in its own way in a lot of different ways. Baseball has a very rich history of doing really stupid shit and blaming players for it. And it's terrible look. 
and they don't ever seem to be able to stop stumbling over themselves from doing so. So we've talked a lot about like the social media sharing aspect to where they don't market their athletes in a way that helps them become stars, which make you want to stay up and watch past 11 innings because Mike Trout might be the guy that hits a you know game-winning home run or whatever the case may be there. People don't even know who Mike Trout is, and it's because baseball gets in its own way. And so it's definitely more of a systemic issue. There's so many aspects to fix this game that it's almost like, where do you even start? I agree. I agree with there. I mean, there are systemic issues. People don't, a lot of people who are worried about pace of play don't really appreciate the game enough to be in it for as long as it takes. I would love to see some, you know, sorry, Ben, I don't have an answer to your question on how do we actually fix the pace of play issue, but I'd love to see some numbers from like, say, 2015 to 2018 and and the average game time and whether it's gone up or down. I've got to think that the changes they've already made have made some incremental changes. I don't think there's a way to pick up the game to the point where people will be satisfied. There's gonna there it, it's generally gonna be a slow game. There's no way to make it like fucking snappy, you know, in between innings when everyone's warming up. Like that's just not the way the game works. Well, and you almost just hit it on the head right there as to what I was saying before. Why is baseball too slow? Because pitchers work too slow. So it's the players' fault. That's not how, how this works, but MLB refuses to understand that. It's crazy. I mean, it's the exact same thing, right? I'm pulling up the numbers right now to see if I can figure out what all the changes have done on it. Uh, it looks like the average, no, that's average length of review. I can't find the average game time right now. The average game but, time is like three and a half to four hours. But Justin, are they really blaming the, the players for the the pace of play outside of pitchers just needing their time to warm up. I mean, you talk about a, an injury that's so pervasive. Tommy John is one of them. I think pitchers should get as much time as they need to warm up. I strongly agree with you. Yeah, so I, it's really not that far off. Uh, average length of game, this is according to baseball reference, um, length of games in 2018, three hours and four minutes. That's down four minutes. Uh, length of games in 2017 was 305. I'm sorry, 308 rather. So you went from 304 last year, 308 and 17, uh, 304 and 16. The last time it was under three hours was 2011 with two hours and 56 minutes on average. It's all it's all in the same ballpark. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I don't think there's a way to make the game fast enough for people. It's not about how fast they're throwing how often a pitch is going across the plate, right? It's about everything in between. It's about there's the excitement. Not a, I want them to not say pace of play. I want them to say there's not enough action because that's what they mean to say. Right. It's the, Which is infuriating because there is so much action. There is so much drama. It's just it's not about two people running into each other. It's about the subtle duel between the pitcher and the batter. And for six seconds or whatever you have time suspended as these two individuals are thinking and working and trying to put into practice this beautiful dance and rhythm uh, that they've trained their whole damn lives for exactly Love it. 100 percent. that's and in the football players and basketball players and everything else is the same exact way so like why why is this any different that's the craziest part to me and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with being systemic issues because baseball hasn't marketed these guys in a way 
that makes them superstars, that makes them bigger than God. And we talk about LeBron James and all these people that you know a lot of people have heard of and everything. It's because they're marketed the right way. Their content and their their athletic prowess and ability is able to be shared without limits to anybody. And that's a little small part of it, but it helps organically grow the game. It's a grassroots type of thing, and baseball hasn't had that in a long time. Well, and th- I can't believe they have numbers on this, but, for example, if you go back to 1938, so what is that, 80 years ago? Is that yeah. when Paul Ramham was born? Yeah. Uh, no, he was already starting his career <laughs> in 38. So basically, you have uh, in 1938, you have games lasting two hours and seven minutes. Uh, time for nine innings was two hours and four minutes on average. You'd have approximate number of runs per game, 9.79 runs per game. Now, compare that to 2018. You have time of game three hours and four minutes. You're getting slightly less runs per game at 8.9. So I don't know, like there's so many different things to go with. They're right, though. The biggest discrepancy I'm seeing is not batters per game or runs per game. It's number of pitchers per game. 2018, on average, you had 4.36 pitchers per game. If they want it to be like the, quote, good old days, unquote, which were probably not that good to begin with, the number of pitchers per game in 1938 was 0.84. God. Holy shit. How do you get below one? You gotta Can someone it. explain to me how did math work different before the fifties? Like, how does that work? We probably just had a lot of guys like Nolan Ryan that would just go out and just throw the whole game. No, ma- you know, yeah, no but matter you what can't happened. have an average of less than one. I'm just telling you what it is. Unless it's wrong. Unless you go, that's it. Could be pitchers per nine, and if pitchers ran into uh, extended innings, then they're theoretically going longer than that. I could see getting a negative number that way, or a, yeah. a less than one number that way. Fair. There you go. Good point. But, Can I talk about something on the on the periphery of this whole issue? Absolutely. Um, the size of the field. Okay. Baseball has a big ass field, and there are how many players on the field on defense at any given time? At least two. At least two, uh, in you know what must be a full acre of baseball territory, right? You think about basketball, very small patch of hardwood. You've got a bunch of guys on the court at the same time. The camera can catch everything that happens in between all the plays and during all the plays. Same with football. It's a big field, but everyone's in the same area. You can catch everything that's going on with the camera work in between plays and as they you know, move the chains and all that shit. With baseball, you're not seeing all the strategy that goes on with shifting outfielders and infielders and making the small adjustments from the left side of the mound to the right side of the mound for a pitcher or the catcher lining up on this side of the plate or that one. There's too much going on to show the audience on TV all at once. You really have to be there to see that. I'm going to say majesty, and I don't care. Uh, the majesty of all, all of that clockwork going on um, to really fully appreciate all the things that are happening behind the scenes. That's valid. I think that's another symptom of what's kind of happened, though, with baseball, because they do a good job of talking about the defensive shift and stuff like that on broadcast. But the problem is that nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares at this point. That's already that ship has sailed. We care about it. But, you know, again, America's number one baseball podcast. 
Can I amend my numbers slightly? Please. So I misread the column. That was pinch hitters per game Uh-oh. at 0.84. I needed to look one thing slightly to the left. Your number of pitchers per game was 1.89. That's still so shockingly different. Than- yeah, in that's a huge dip. Well, it's a huge discrepancy. 2018, 4.36. 1938, 1.89. So anyway, just wanted to make sure we're not throwing out some fake news. Yeah, we don't want Duster Dan jumping all over our asses again. I, I for one, like it when Duster Dan, you know, corrects us. I agree. He keeps us honest. I'd like to see the number of undiagnosed Tommy John injuries from that year versus our year. Well, yeah, and that's the difference is guys are better in general, right? So, I mean, If they're undiagnosed, how do we report those numbers? That's a stupid stat to ask for. No, here's the thing, though, because, you know, if you're, if you're looking at someone like I don't know, a dominant pitcher from 1938, you know, just pick one. You got to figure they're not throwing against your Bryce Harpers and Mike Trouts. You know, like there is a parity amongst competition that I think is worth noting. You know, it's not that in, you know, 1907, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, no, he was the commissioner. It's not that 1907 that Cy Young was able to throw 102 miles per hour, it's that he was throwing faster than his peers. So I think that it's interesting to... It's all relative is what you're saying. Right, exactly. Could you imagine what someone like Chris Sale or someone like that, if they could just be transported back then, would do? That'd be wild. Oh my God, be ridiculous. (laughs) Probably get a wicked morphine addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. What's what's so different from today? Opium. That's an amazing joke. That wasn't a Chris Sale burn. That was that was that was old timey baseball burn. Just let's make sure that we're that we're digging on the right stuff. Right. That was an awareness joke. Correct. Correct. The opioid epidemic is alive and well. Yep. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, those are are the proposed rule changes for twenty and nineteen. Well done, gentlemen. Yes. Alrighty. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We're going to be back in just a couple of weeks. We're going to have probably one episode before we do the AL preview, something like that. So we're going to be back here for that pretty soon. Tight. Plenty of great stuff on the horizon. Uh, don't forget, though, check us out. We are at sensiblyloud.com. And very soon, can you expect a new website? You bet your ass you can. We have a new website on the way. Hope to have that out to you guys here in about one month. In the meantime, though, don't forget to check us out on social media. We are at Outfielder Pod. We are on your Twitter. We are on your Facebook. We're even on your Instagram. But guess what? If you like what you get from us, don't forget to check out all of the Sensibly Loud family. Because if you like it, chances are we have a podcast for it. Unless it's opium. We do not have an opium podcast. Not yet. Well, we want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 57 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big up to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Hey,